0: when you have someone who's really funny they're funny to you because of what you know about them and because you know what their mindset was at the time that they like made a statement or wrote something and it's funny because of the context of when it happened and why it ha- like that's why my own reviews my own shit is funny to me because i am pretty ridiculous on a consistent basis. Without further ado, here are the books that I have read so far this year, my star ratings on Goodreads and the review that I left on Goodreads at that time. I'm just going to read them. Book number one that I started reading, January 1st, Wives and Daughters. This is by Elizabeth Gaskell. Um, I like her. This is an old-timey book. Five stars. You're going to notice a pattern, by the way. Five stars. Here is the review that I left at that time. Stop, 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 stop reading this and instead go read North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell. That is her masterpiece. This is a great book, too. However, it was not completed on her death and was instead finished for her by another writer who absolutely refused to take into account my very specific preferences where Victorian-era romance novels are concerned, particularly their endings. That the substitute author was not aware of my needs for reasons of my not being born yet is a mere excuse and, frankly, not my fault in the least. I wasn't even born yet! Elizabeth knew, though. She understood how to build a story and really make you work for it, but then finish so strong you are exponentially rewarded and also ashamed you ever doubted her. Also, after you read North and South, read some biographical information about Gaskell because the woman is the most impressive author you've never heard of. She wrote books in which her heroine were prostitutes with actual thoughts, virtues, goals and feelings and got trolled hard for it even from her own friends even though she published them anonymously she wrote her good friend charlotte bronte's biography with such forthright honesty that she was sued by garbage people to print retractions of their garbage actions which she so faithfully described Her good friend Charles Dickens, who published her serialized work in his magazine, told her to change her writing style to better fit the magazine's format, and she was like, sorry, Chuck, no can do, and he still published her because she was that good. On top of all that, she was part of the Unitarian movement, which recognized that a classist system was a means of oppression and that religious supremacy was its choicest Tool. She taught Sunday school, but like real Sunday school, where poor kids no one saw any value in were actually taught how to read and write and think for themselves. And people hated her so hard for being this awesome that she literally dropped dead from the stress of it. But I guess no one ever said being a fully sentient human woman was easy or anything. In summary, I liked this book. I was disappointed by the way in which the ending was told. Elizabeth Gaskell was one badass bitch who died because people literally could not even handle it. So yeah, that's uh, Wives and Daughters. (laughs) I promise you not all of these uh, book reviews are going to be so uh, elaborate. The second book I read... In 2021 is Shit Actually, The Definitive 100% Objective Guide to Modern Cinema by Lindy West. If you have read No Lindy West or haven't heard of Lindy West, now you have. And you now have a moral and um, cultural responsibility, human responsibility, to read everything she's ever written, including all of her Um, articles and she's hilarious and amazing and if you've watched shrill on hulu that starring ad bryant from snl shrill is that's lindy west that's like her semi-autobiographical um scripted series anyway this is a review for her book shit actually five stars i always read before bed i find it relaxing and as far as my habits go one of the only reliable ones I have read funny books before and never found them to be a logistical problem with another human trying to sleep right next to me. Until this book. I think I may have actually caused some permanent internal damage holding in fits of laughter that would rate high on whatever that scale is they use to record the smaller earthquakes. That's me trying to be funny. But this book is someone being actually hilarious and you should warn your loved ones and probably any neighbors you share a wall with prior to reading because you're going to laugh like you've never had a bladder control issue in your life. And for the love of God, don't get the audiobook of this. There is so much humor, layers, on layers of complex humor in the grammatical choices alone. This is going to sound hyperbolic and no pun intended, but my most fervent wish now is a Lindy West book of famous people obituaries. And if I don't get it, I will absolutely die. Please, Lindy. I need this. Please. That last please, uh, by the way, was with like... 50 Es and a Z at the end so that's how you know that I was really serious about it uh yeah great book next book The Viscount Who Loved Me or is it The Viscount Who Loved Me by uh Bridgerton author Julia Quinn first of all I do not apologize okay and I, that's probably how my review actually starts, but I just want you all to know before I even start the review, I will not apologize for watching Bridgerton. I will not apologize for being sucked in. I don't apologize for any of it at all. I don't even want to discuss how much I don't apologize for it. Five stars! The Viscount who loved me. The Viscount who loved me. I'm not sure. It's number two in the Bridgerton series. Here's my review. First off, I will not be apologizing to any extent. <laughs> I told you guys. <clears throat> First off, I will not be apologizing to any extent for reading this book. It's a pandemic and an insurrection out there, and my need to escape the hellscape of that reality has reached by any means necessary proportions. Second off, yes, five stars for this book, because the one thing I asked it to do, make me forget what's really upsetting me and cause me to be just as emotionally reactionary to something completely trivial and imaginary, it absolutely did. It's also kind of trash, and I kind of hate myself for enjoying it. Watching Bridgerton in one day of mindless Netflix binging is one thing. Reading the sequel is the kind of next-level effort you can't really explain away. It's the difference between eating potato chips at a party, because they're there, and you're there, and hey, it's a party. Remember those? And going to the grocery store with the express purpose of purchasing potato chips, then deciding you need both the barbecue and the salt and vinegar kinds, rationalizing that you will only open one bag at a time, a foolish plan you really have no intention of sticking to. That's this book. It's two bags of potato chips. One, a bastion of toxic masculinity and white male privilege. The other, a thinly constructed, properly passive virgin who is, tragically, not quite as pretty as her sister. There's also some sex, after a fashion. A couple notes about that. Writers of new Victorian-era sex scenes, please be advised that while you are doing the work of our erotic lord, and I am grateful to you for that, I am forever over the use of the following words. Rosebud, Gasp, Plunged, Utterances of So Good, and Maidenhead. Maiden. Head. Maiden. Head. Reading this book felt like cheating on my feminist values, and if they ever find out, I really don't know how I'm going to explain myself, especially considering I thoroughly enjoyed it. Except, you know, the Maidenhead reference. I guess what I'm trying to say here is it's okay to eat trash sometimes. Just try to bookend it with something written by Lindy West and one of the Bronte sisters, or Tara Westover, or Thomas Hardy. Never not sad that Jane Austen wrote no sex scenes. I suspect they would have been wholly original and satisfying. So that's my review for The Viscount, who loved me. I've decided it's Viscount. I don't know if that's right. Okay, moving on. We're well into February 2021 by this point. And the next book that I read was The Last Wish. This is The Witcher book. Uh, The Witcher, which is famously a Netflix series. Also, just like Bridgerton. And really, really uh, enjoyable. This is like... The Witcher book number 0.5, which I don't understand how you can be the first half of a series, but that is what this is. So it's, it's The Last Wish, The Witcher number 0.5, five stars. You seen the show? It's like that. If the show were exclusively about the parts with just The Witcher in them. Which is not me complaining, I like those parts. You get a little bit of Yennefer, a little bit more of Dandelion, but mostly it is the episodic journey and adventurous exploits of one Geralt of Rivia. Which again, I'm here for. No complaints, five stars. It's a fun read, a quick read, and honestly a pleasant break from the biography of Charlotte Bronte, which is just really heavy, dense stuff. Being a woman in the 1800s without magical powers just sucked ass, you know? Enjoy the book! So that's my review of The Last Wish, The Witcher uh, book series, book uh, number 0.5. The Witcher, by the way, is by mm, Andre Sapkowski. Sapkowski. I'm skipping a lot of um, uh, consonants there because I'm not sure how to pronounce his name and I'm just trying to make it sound as smooth as possible, and I apologize. I maybe should have looked up how to pronounce your name, so I forgive you if you ever mispronounce my name. Call me Jocelyn Merton. Nah. Um, I referenced reading the biography of Charlotte Bronte, the one written by Elizabeth Gaskell. I have been trying to get through that book for the last six months, during which time I read all these other books just to escape. Ah, I don't even know what it is. But I really do want to finish that by the end of the year. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. The next book I read was The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. This is the only book uh, so far in 2021 that I have given two stars. Two stars. So buckle up for this review because ooh, ooh is a long one. This is a long review. Uh, not not a fan. 2 stars, which a little about my ranking system for books. If you write a book at all and are published to any extent, your book it's one star from me. That's an A for effort. Uh secondarily, if your book sucks, it's a 2-star book. If it's good or fine or or great, it's 5 stars. I don't really I don't it's weird if I give a book like a 3 or 4 stars. It's just like not part of my uh Ranking system for some reason. So, yeah, she gets one star for actually writing the book and then a second star because that's all I can really bring myself to give her. Okay, the other Bennett sister. I will preface this rather scathing and debatably undeserved review with the fact that I am a ride-or-die Pride and Prejudice fan. Like Norton Critical Edition-owning BBC a miniseries viewing in real time, I might add, fan. It's a whole thing. Offshoots of the Jane Austen originals I refer to as griftings. Some of these griftings are good, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is delightful, and some are not so good. Like this one. How exactly did this pitch meeting go? Picture this. Pride and Prejudice, but from the perspective of its most lifeless, pedantic character. Huh? And let's take the most beloved characters and somehow make it seem like they're at least partially to blame for the misfortunes of this lesser character. A kind of soft villainization, if you will. Let's take one of the most celebrated love stories in human memory and kind of... Make it seem selfish. Pride and prejudice, but instead of steamy sexual tension between two fully actualized people, make it about the inaction of two humans with the sexual chemistry of a wet mop and corresponding bucket. Why do this? Why? Take a beloved book and use it as a springboard for your story in such a way that it requires the complete bastardization of themes and characters for the express purpose of constructing a completely different and unrelated story in the hopes the reference to a popular work of fiction will bring the kind of notoriety by association that would be difficult or unlikely otherwise. Mr. Collins, as an insightful and nuanced love interest... Charlotte Lucas as a scheming utilitarian? Lizzie and Jane as codependents, willfully alienating their affections from the poor, unwitting Mary, who is then sent down a path of self-hatred that is so profound it defines her entire personality, creating a constant need for validation from men like literally any men. The entire plot. Unattractive woman who is not Elizabeth Bennett must read much books under the direction of rando dudes in the hopes that one of them will marry her and make her feel real pretty. No. No to this book. No to this literary grab at a prominence by proxy. If you need more Jane Austen in your life, then go and read Persuasion, which is literally how Jane Austen would write the story of an unattractive and overlooked woman disappointed in life unloved by her family, and despite it all, finding sufficient strength of character to prevent these things from continuing to define her as a person. And generally speaking, lay the fuck off Pride and Prejudice. Unless you're putting sexy bits in there, I don't want to hear about it. And that's my review of The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. Yeah, didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. All right, and now we are going to go into the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which um I again read because of a Netflix series. I, you know, I read much books, but it's not like I'm some kind of like literary uh purist. I know I just did a total day- takedown of that woman for bastardizing a a, a piece of like fundamental literary history. Um, but I also super, super love these uh Netflix series based on books. I don't know how those two things are connected actually. I am getting a little lost in myself. Okay. So these next three are a trilogy. I love a trilogy. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy and the YA stuff right up my alley honestly okay so shadow and bone the first book uh by lee bardugo bardugo i lee i hope i I don't want to butcher your name but it's like you know that's kind of what i do lee bardugo that's got to be how she says it okay shadow and bone is the name of the first book in the shadow and bone trilogy because lee is no fool and she understands marketing all right five stars A good indication for any book I'm reading is that it goes fast, and when I'm not reading it, I'm thinking about reading it, and when it ends, I'm like, already? That being said, there's nothing truly groundbreaking here. It follows that tried-and-true formula of young, not-a-girl, not-yet-a-woman, of unremarkable looks and talents, experiences traumatic event which reveals she is in fact the most powerful sorcerer-slash-witch-slash-conjurer in basically all of human history. She must learn to use her magic to save all of existence, but really, she's most concerned about that one guy. You know that guy. She's been pining after for a real long time, but they're just friends, and now there's this new guy who has magic and is going to teach her to use hers, and they will become the most powerful celebrity couple ever, despite the fact he's, like, thousands of years older than her. So, yeah, gross. Love triangle! Friends become enemies, enemy become friends, friends become lovers, lovers become enemies, you know the drill. And yet, it's entertaining and enjoyable when done well, and that it is here. Life is kind of shit right now, and this book helped me forget that. Is it slightly problematic in that it upholds certain tenets of purity culture by always centering the story on a virginal young woman's quest to not only discover her sense of self, but also, and seemingly equally as important, determine which dude she's gonna bone? Yeah, I can see that. Would I be just as interested in a tale of a mature, fully actualized, and sexually active woman coming into her ultimate power as she, as a minor part of the story determines which of the several dicks she's currently enjoying best serves her needs? Yes. Yes, I would. Maybe dicks aren't even her thing at all. And actually, I think there's a Tasha Suri novel sitting in my queue which tackles that scenario. All to say, I still enjoy these books, even as I read more and more of them, and also, I am very much in favor of branching out creatively into more uncharted territory. It's the yes and for me. That's my review of the first book in the shadow and bone trilogy here is the second book in the shadow and bone trilogy siege and storm five stars yeah this is a good trilogy sometimes the second book in a trilogy is a bit of a downer but this one was definitely not that fully actualized new characters new powers and not just for the sake of filling out the pages Also, a slow descent into a much sadder version of the world. It's considerably more depressed than the first book, but that's to be expected with the Empire Strikes Back middle of a trilogy book. It's also, I think, more mature. I don't know what I'm saying. It's good. Read it. So that's my review of the second book in the Shadow and Bone series called Siege and Storm. And the final book in the series Uh, by Lee Bardugo, is Ruin and Rising. And that also got five stars. And my review is This Trilogy is So Good. That's it. That's my review. Read the books and you're welcome. So that's my review of the third book. So around this time, now we're in April, I went to Florida with my mom and I, at the end of that week that I was there for my grandpa's funeral, uh, I rented myself an Airbnb to stay at alone for some alone time that I knew I would need. And at this Airbnb, which I love when they do this, I love when they do this, there was like a, a little tiny bookshelf with some actual physical paper books, like old timey books. Um, so I picked up one. Said book The Constant Gardener by John Le Carre. Mm, God, I can't. What for someone who reads a lot, it's like names I can't read. John Le Carre, Le Carre, Le Carre, Le Carre. I don't know. It's, it's a name, his name's John. Uh, he wrote The Constant Gardener, and I picked that up. I vaguely remembered, um, watching the movie with Rachel Weiss in it. Um, like a long time ago. And also Ralph Fiennes. And I gotta tell you, Ralph Fiennes in the early to mid 2000s, holy hell, that guy was hot. Like, super hot. Like, go watch The Constant Gardener and tell me that's not one of the most attractive men you've ever seen in your lives. Anyway, The Constant Gardener. Here's my review Five stars. <laughs> I know this book was like a huge deal in 2001, but I missed it and only ever picked it up to read because it was among a small selection of hardbacks at an Airbnb I was staying in and I thought, that was a movie I think I remember liking. Well, now it's a book I remember liking. And liking is probably too soft a term. I loved the first half. I was very frustrated with the second half. And I love slash hated the ending. I'm going to talk about the ending now. Might be spoilery. Go read the book. It's good. You know that feeling of when a good book ends and you A, don't want it to end, but B, it has to end a certain way that you know is going to throw you into a conflict of feelings because C, it's awful and you're so mad it ended that way, but also if it ended any other way, you would be enraged. Yeah, that's this one. The second half of the book is work. Just a lot of details and people sitting and talking about details and not much else. But it fits. It fits the tone of the book. The level of detail is impressive and builds toward what is probably the most quietly tense final chapters I've read in a while. I like the main character, like a lot, and you're not being sold anything here. There's no false sense of hope and redemption and everything being put right. It's not devastating either, though. I think this book is supposed to be a thriller with an undercurrent of romance in it, but for me, it's a tragic romance with a really, really specific and time-consuming thriller for a backdrop that gets a little too much time and attention. It's really good. So that's my review of The Constant Gardener. Two more books to go. The very next book I read is a Sherlock Holmes book. Look, I like the Holmes. I have been reading Sherlock Holmes since I was, like, 12. Uh, Same with Agatha Christie. I've read every Agatha Christie novel. I love Poirot. I love Miss Marple. I love... Just... Oh, man. She's great. She's awesome. I haven't read her yet this year, and I don't know why. But I read The Sign of Four. It's by Arthur Conan Doyle. I mean, famously. And... Five stars. Here's my review. Plot synopsis. A confirmed bachelor and genius manages his bipolar disorder with various narcotics while pretending to take a long time solving crimes as an excuse to be near the love of his life who, in turn, pretends to fall in love with a woman with no character agency. That's my review. (laughs) And honestly, that's the construct of every Sherlock Holmes novel. Sherlock Holmes is a queer man, genius, self-medicating his mental health issues and pining after his, the love of his life, Dr. Watson, who, yeah, is just always chasing some skirt. And finally, the book I just finished reading like a week or two ago, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, This is the first in a trilogy, a trilogy I will definitely be finishing at some point. It's the Southern Reach trilogy, book number one. I think it's a trilogy. I I guess I'm just making that assumption. Um, But it's Annihilation. I watched the movie Annihilation with uh, Natalie Portman and was so disappointed that I sought out this book Because I felt like surely, surely the book is better. And I was right. Uh, Anyway, I probably referenced that in the review, so let's get to it. Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Five stars. I read this book out of a sense of responsibility to clear its good name after watching the 2018 film of the same name, which I suspected took a brilliant idea and executed it. I mean that both literally in that they performed the action of converting some semblance of this story to screen, but also metaphorically in that they shot this story in the head, then strung up its lifeless body like a marionette and paraded it around in a tactless mimicry of a beautiful story. And this book is beautiful, and it's dreadful, and it creeps up into you so steadily, so stealthily. That you barely even notice how absorbed you are by it until it ends. And you are left with a sense of awe and loss. Wanting more. Which is fortunate because it's a series. And that's my review for Annihilation. And those are the 11, 11 books that I have read so far in 2021. I will be reading at least nine more. Hopefully that is my goal, and I will let you all know what I think about those probably near the end of the year or in some kind of, like, Christmas special or in, like, some New Year's, like, resolution bullshit. But, hey, point being, I'm going to let you know. So thank you for joining me, and I hope that you let me know what you're reading. Yeah, what are you reading, and do you like it? Please tell me uh, go to Instagram at Brex Cancer is boring. I will probably leave my reviews somehow like on an Instagram main page post. I think that's what you call it. I don't know. But please like leave in the comments books like hook a sister up, you know what I mean? Like if you're reading something awesome, tell me. Because I don't have like the rest of my books planned out and I can be pretty random about the books I read and I like to branch out and read stuff that I'm not used to because that's sometimes when you find the most amazing books. And I have so many books on my Goodreads. If you're on Goodreads and you do want to see that, um, I know it seems like I love every book I read. I don't, but also there are so many good books and so little time. We should all quit our jobs and just read books uh, full time anyway, for more great advice <laughs> for more great financial advice, uh, follow us on Instagram and also thank you thank you for listening and what more can I possibly say I mean what what happy reading I don't know how do you how do you end a random podcast episode that is just reading reviews i've given of books that i've read it's like very specific and uh really unnecessary but uh you're here hey and you made it this far and i'm impressed by that so just know i'm impressed by you you're you're great and uh thank you because your greatness like that affects me you know on a deep level, just just know that okay I'm I need to go. I have other things to do, all right, and so do you talk later, have a great one. go read a book. bye bye.